I'm Suzanne Lavery, and I am one of the exec producers of Curse of the Chippendales. Hi, I'm Jesse Vile. I'm the writer and director of Curse of the Chippendales. From the outside, we were a hugely successful multi-million dollar business. But the bigger we got, the more the problems piled up. Mick felt he solely was behind the immense success of Chippendales. Steve didn't like all the attention that Nick was getting. Both wanted to be the chief. Steve told me that Nick had been shot and killed. I just started to scream. Flashbulbs are in your eyes, and they're asking, do you know who did it? The puzzle pieces are all there. You just got to put them together. Behind it all is one megalomaniac who's eliminating a competition through arson and murder for hire. And they said, we've been notified that there is a plot to assassinate you. Wait, wait what? That is a trailer from the Discovery Plus docuseries, Curse of the Chippendales, and this is Factual America. We're brought to you by Alamo Pictures, an Austin and London-based production company making documentaries about America for international audiences. I'm your host, Matthew Sherwood. Each week I watch a hit documentary or series and then talk with the filmmakers and their subjects. This week we're discussing the Discovery Plus docuseries, Curse of the Chippendales, which strips off, almost literally, the facade of the iconic 1980s and 90s women's entertainment phenomenon to reveal a little-known story of greed, jealousy, and murder for hire. It is my pleasure, then, to welcome director and writer Jesse Vile and executive producer Suzanne Lavery. Jesse, Suzanne, welcome to Factual America. Suzanne, how are things with you? Very good, Matthew. Very good, indeed. Thank you. Okay, and Jesse, how are you doing? Yeah, great. Great. Thanks for asking. Yeah, you're both, uh, are you both in London? Where are you uh, this evening? Yeah, I'm in Soho in our post-production house, uh, okay. working it as usual. <laughs> and that's with Lightbox, right? Yeah. Yes. And, uh, and Jesse, yourself? Uh, I'm in my home in North London. Well, thank you so much. Uh, Again, the film is The uh, Curse of the Chippendales, uh, released in September on Discovery Plus. Um, uh, Also from uh, one of the most recent films from Lightbox, uh, which is founded by Simon and Jonathan Chin, who we've had on the uh, last season uh, to talk about the Tina doc that they did. So uh, it's great to have you two on. Um, Maybe uh, for those who haven't, in our audience, who haven't had a chance to... Um, to, to see this uh, docuseries yet. Uh, Jesse, maybe you can give us a little synopsis. What is Curse of the Chippendales all about? Um, well, in a nutshell, it's, it's really the story of, of the rise and fall of the world's most famous and successful all-male uh, dance troupe. 
Um, and so it starts in the late 70s uh, about, you know, the inception, how, how the idea mm-hmm. came across, what it originally was meant to be, what it originally was. And then we see the evolution of that idea uh, and how it just completely permeated through every facet of, of American popular culture in the 1980s. Uh, and then ultimately, as you know, things do, nothing can last forever. And, and you know, we, we see it fall and it affects people in many different ways, as you see yeah. throughout the series. Okay. And Suzanne, I mean, maybe you could put the whole Chippendales phenomenon in context. I mean, this is, strikes me having now seen all, all four episodes. Uh, it had the most unlikeliest of beginnings, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, the whole thing started out as a, as a kind of ruse to get some bodies in a, a sort of club <laughs> in West, West L.A. Um, so it was really just how to fill the club on a, on a quiet night. So they went through various things like female mud wrestling, uh, which I gather was quite grubby. Um, and then they hit upon the idea of a, a, a male review strip show for women. Um, so they thought it would never work. And then lo and behold, the women of, of L.A. came in their hundreds uh, every night. So it ended up being a, a, a huge success. Yeah, and people even like people like Hugh Hefner are showing up you know, all these uh, stars. Um, you mentioned the female mud wrestling, but that's such of an, of an era. Yeah. <laughs> I'd completely forgotten about it, about that phenomenon until uh, watching this. Uh, Jesse, I mean, on the surface, this uh, has the beginnings. It all feels like an, an American success story, doesn't it? Um, a young man comes to the USA from India and, and makes, a, makes a fortune, it would, it would seem. Yeah, it, it definitely, you know, feels like the American, you know, an American dream story. And then it turns into, it sounds like a cliche, but it turns into an American nightmare for, for, for many people. Um, It it's, I guess a lot of it came naturally from, uh, you know, the CD nightclub, uh, you know, Mm. just culture and, and the fact that they're selling sex and, you know, nothing, I guess, it's, it's never completely pure, is it? I mean, something's going to go wrong. And then you throw the 80s into the mix and all the drugs and, and the yeah. wild, carefree sex, you know, pre-HIV. Um, yeah. And it just becomes this cocktail of uh, nightmarish outcomes. Yeah. I think, uh, well, it's, uh, I, I, whenever we have what, well, this is many things, what your film, but it's also a, a, a true crime docuseries as well. And uh, we always kind of throw spoiler alerts out there because uh, we will talk about what happened in all the four episodes. But for anyone who's uh, wants to maybe be a little bit surprised or not is unaware of what the whole story is about, then uh, yeah, stop here and uh, go, go, go watch the episodes. Um, but uh, I mean, and Suzanne, what about the, you know, what about the dancers themselves? Because you guys have uh, traced and tracked down some of the biggest names in Chippendale's history. Uh, I mean, what struck you most about about them as well working on this project? Um, they're all in in incredibly good shape. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, it, it, it was great. To, I mean, but, but one of the interesting things about this production. Um, is that we started out um, it right in the height of lockdown. So actually okay. we had 
film a lot of it remotely. So we didn't actually, you know, it, it was this kind of Zoom setup for a lot yeah. of interviews. So unfortunately, we didn't get to meet a lot of our characters in person. Um, but we did sort of very uh, painstaking remote filming. But the the, uh, the dancers all had such warm memories of the time. Um, and they were really sort of frank and open with us about their recollections and the journeys that they went on. Um, and one of the, the interesting things, and it's something that Jesse and I discussed a lot in the production process, was that the, the curse of the Chippendales was, was also when the, their dreams kind of came true and then they got a bit more than they bargained. Mm. So I think they all went through this incredible journey that sort of, really hit some very high highs in every sense of the word. But then each of them sort of had a, a very low point, particularly with the murders and with losing friends and colleagues. Um, and, you know, many of them had sort of relationships fall out. Um, so it was really interesting to sort of take one sort of precinct and, and the organisation itself and really sort of unpick what happened to each character within it. And they each had a sort of different perspective um but a lot of the interesting um points to us was even though a lot of them had a very very hard time i think to a man they each said they would do it all again yeah that was very interesting at the at the end even um michael rapp who's the 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 perfect man i guess uh who uh often you know you you go into a lot of detail in terms of his rise and fall and it was quite a fall in in many ways but yeah he's right at the end says would not change a thing would he uh, which was which was very interesting and i mean i think we were talking about this success story uh, but this we have this steve banerjee and uh, i mean that's i mean he was actually there i mean he's this nightclub owner jesse isn't he but he's he's actually there picking the guys out of the lineup isn't he he's deciding who is I mean it's this very sort of un interesting and odd kind of situation where he, as you say, kind of as we find out more and more, seedy nightclub owner of nineteen seventies, picking young men out of the out of audiences and saying they're going to be the next big stars and that's what women like and you know and going from there. That's kind of a it was an anyway it was a it was a sort of an interesting element to this. Yeah, I mean it, it's there was a great story that. Um, Dan Peterson told us that we, we couldn't fit into the series. I mean, there was so mm. much we couldn't fit. Mm. Um, and how Dan was discovered, uh, he's the host. Uh, and, you know, the guy with the mustache who sort of yeah. um, modeled himself after yeah. Magnum yeah, you know, Tom right. Selleck. Yeah. And he tells a story of going to the club because after uh, nine o'clock or 10 o'clock, the, the show or the club would open to, to men. Right. Uh, and he recalls this story of going down with a friend and waiting in the line. Uh, and then someone pulls him out and takes him over to a car and introduces him to this guy. It turns out to be Steve Banerjee and Steve Banerjee hired him right there on the spot. And so, uh, and then of course, Dan went on to become the face uh, yeah. of Chippendales and all the calendars. And, and I think the thing about Banerjee's is that he had a really keen eye uh, of, of knowing what would sell, but that's because he studied American culture. He read mm. Cosmo, he, re you know, he read L and Vogue, he read all these magazines and uh, studied film, studied TV of, of what women wanted. And you can see the evolution of that change throughout uh, the decade. If you look at all the, all the calendars, 
Um, and that's something we discuss in episode two. And then in episode three, it, it kind of gets a little dark. Uh, you know, the, the fact that he was just choosing basically waspy looking men. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, uh, that's what he thought would sell. And he was right at the time. I mean, the 80s wasn't the most inclusive decade. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I think, but for, uh, and, and it's another thing we get into in episode two, which is, you know, uh, Nick DeNoia, uh, the fact that he took this ragtag uh, idea and dance troupe and sort of mm. made it a well-oiled machine to be able to bring it to higher levels. But then Steve, his idea was was kind of shaping, looking at the bigger picture. It wasn't just about mm. a club, right, or a show. It was about the merchandise. It was about the brand. And um, I thought that was really interesting about Steve, is that he wasn't just this... I mean, he was, he was incredibly lucky. He fell into this thing. It wasn't yeah. his idea, but yeah. um, he did have a certain amount of talent uh, and how to take this idea and capitalize on it by building and creating this brand. Mm. I mean, I think that's, if if you carry on with that, I mean, because I think that's, uh, it, it is very interesting because he had these, like you say, that we, some people say you create your own luck, whatever happened, they were on, on this huge winner. There was talent here, yet it just, I mean, they could have, they could have been fine. They could have been extremely successful. He could still be around now, but there is this, uh, along with all the, the others, but the, the, uh, what we find is that even in the be- in episode one, you've got, there's this dark side to the whole, even to the origin story, uh, behind this, isn't there? I mean, with, uh, this, the original, the one who even came up with the idea, Paul Snyder, who's, you know, uh, murders Dorothy Stratton, who's famous at the time, Peter Bogdanovich's companion, you know, all these things. Um, but no one no one seemed to know or su- suspect that there was this sort of dark side to Steve Banerjee, it, it seems. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, growing up in the 80s, they were always on talk shows, you know, yeah. as a kid, it was just ubiquitous. I mean, it was everywhere. Uh, and then making this series, um, it was really interesting. All the archive was just, you know, my childhood daytime TV, if I'm <laughs> sick and home from school, you know, it, it'd be Phil Donahue or Sally Jesse Raphael or, oh, you know, Wheel oh, of, oh, uh, what was yeah. it? The Price is Right or something, yeah. you know? And, and um, so or me as a sick uh, playing hooky from high school or something, yes. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, so I'm a little yeah. older, but yes, exactly. Yeah. And um, yeah, it, it was, uh, it was just all over the place. And I think uh, it was interesting because when Suzanne reached out to me, she says, hey, there's this really great project. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, are you interested? I was like, well, yeah, what is it? And she sends me the treatment. And all I saw was Chippendales and a guy in a, in a, a bow tie was like, yeah. about to write her back saying, I think you sent me the wrong treatment. <laughs> you know, like, what, why are you sending me this? Like, what, what about me? Because we've worked together before. What about me says that I'd be the best, perfect director to make a film about men stripping for women. But then as I read <laughs> the treatment, and I mean, I didn't know any of this stuff. Yeah, Even yeah. though I knew the Chippendales growing up, I had no idea about any of this stuff. And I think that that they must have a great PR team. I mean, you know, to, to kind of keep that under wraps because most people who go on Twitter or Facebook yeah. and they say, I had no idea about this. And so it's pretty remarkable. And it seems to think you'd seen that after something like this, it's the only thing they'd ever be known for, but mm. it's, it's rather amazing. Maybe it's just, you know, time, uh, they have the benefit of time. I was going to ask about that. No, but let's talk about it now. I mean, Suzanne, you, since, you know, you've been on the, 
project, I imagine, from close to the beginning. Uh, I mean, why hasn't there something been done on this? this it does seem remarkable. Uh, I was I was aware of the news at the time. I hadn't didn't know anything about this until watching this series and or doing the basic Wikipedia search or whatever. And uh, um, it was all all surprised to me. And also, there's not been any dramatic uh, narrative. Well, I think there's been some made-for-TV stuff way back when. But uh, it's a story that seems ripe for telling, and no one's been telling it. Well, absolutely. I mean, when I first was told about it, we have um, an amazing uh, development producer called Max Dobbin, and this was his... um, his stroke of genius to, to bring this to the uh, small screen. Um, so he stumbled across the story on the sort of nether reaches of the internet um, and pitched it to us at Lightbox. And, you know, we, we sort of, we go through numerous ideas before deciding which ones we'll actually take on and develop and pitch to various broadcasters. Um, but this, this one, I actually thought he was joking. I didn't believe him that it was a true story um, and had a bit of the same reaction as Jesse. Um, But yeah, once we found that it was indeed true and that um, there were people that, you know, were around to tell the tale um, and we got in touch with Bruce Nahan, who was um, Mm. Steve Banerjee's uh, lawyer um, and Eric Gilbert, who was uh, associate producer. Mm. Um, creative director creative Creative director yeah get that better get that right yeah Uh, so once we got in touch with sort of key figures like that and then we started reaching out and finding you know Michael Rapp was around and um, building up the building up the cast list we thought god you know this really has got to be made Um, and then it was interesting actually when we were actually in production I don't know it, it seems to happen sometimes in the creative industries in general but something gets into the ether. So, you know, we were actually well into production and we became aware of the podcast. There's a very good podcast um, okay. by Pineapple Studios. Um, so that actually came out before us, but I think we we were sort of already well underway. Um, and then I think there were some other um, documentary companies and news reports that were coming out. So I think things kind of seep into the public consciousness. So all of a sudden there's a slew of interest in, in this story. Mm. Uh, but we are pretty proud of our iteration of it because we had such a talented director at the helm. So. <laughs> Props to Jesse. <laughs> well, I mean, go ahead. There, was, there, there were a couple, uh, you know, uh, docs about it in the past, in the 90s and uh, in the early 2000s, but they were really all about the true crime element it was like fbi files or something like that it didn't really get into the nitty-gritty of the chippendales and before any or you know before any of that stuff or or the way that affected people like michael rapp or his his ex-wife nancy denine and Mm -hmm. for me when i was um when i came on the project and i was researching and i was writing i thought you know what even if remove the true crime element this would be a fascinating, it wouldn't be as long, but this would be a mm. fascinating series just on its own uh, and just wild and super entertaining. And then you throw the true crime into the mix. So I think um, what we were doing was totally different. We, we wanted it all. It wasn't just, it's a true crime. It's, it's categorized as a true crime series, but really it, it's true crime with a heart. You know, it's, there's, mm. there's a lot more going on than just 
murder and mayhem. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what drew us, you know, as we as we dug into the project more and more, it just became very apparent that it was a very multi-layered story that gave us opportunity to explore lots of different elements, um, sort of the societal context and mm. how different that time was to, you know, what we're experiencing now. And, you know, that really sort of resonated with us, um, you know, how... What is, you know, in the early days when it was all free and wild and, you know, they could all express themselves, you know, you sort of watch that with a degree of uh, sort of envy or nostalgia, you know, sort of thinking, God, what a different time that is mm. to you know, sort of our COVID world where we're all sort of locked away from each other. Um, and there's, you know, sort of all sorts of layers about sort of uh, female expressions of desire and emancipation mm. and, you know, uh, where the Chippendale, you know, was the Chippendales um, a sort of a, a, a feminist, <laughs> feminist <Yeah>. organization? <laughs> Probably not. Um, but you know, were, were they cashing in on that idea? Very much so. You know, so there were just, yeah. as well as the crime element, there were so many different rich um, veins to mine. So uh, it, 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 yeah, it gives a lot of food for thought. Okay. Um, I think that takes us to to our break, actually. So um, we'll be right back with uh, Jesse Vile and Suzanne Lavery, the filmmakers behind The Curse of the Chippendales, streaming on Discovery Plus since September. You're listening to Factual America. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Alamo Pictures to keep up to date with new releases or upcoming shows. Check out the show notes to learn more about the program, our guests, and the team behind the production. Now back to Factual America. Welcome back to Factual America. I'm here with award-winning filmmakers Jesse Vile and Suzanne Lavery. Curse of the Chippendales. It's been streaming on Discovery Plus since September. Um, uh, this has all been, uh, you know, it's it's... Obviously, I highly recommend people go go uh, go stream it. It's it's well worth your uh, your time. Um, but it, it, maybe going back to the story and something you were saying, Suzanne. Um, I mean, about the just the crazy twists and turns that you couldn't believe initially were were actual you know actual uh, fact. Um, but we have uh, something we haven't really talked too much about yet. I uh, mentioned this Nick Nick did. Denoya, who came on board and brought Chippendales to its highest heights, but we have this this whole this thing with a deal struck on a literally on the back of a napkin. I mean, that's and that drives this really drives the story. It's uh, it's it's just it's just remarkable that it had, that had any sort of legal force, but I guess it it did. Yeah, I mean, this. I mean, we we sort of routinely refer to it as the napkin deal. And it does seem to have been the pivotal point in the history of, of the Chippendales as an organisation. You know, it went from being sort of a successful show and something that everyone was sort of striving in the same direction mm-hmm. to a point where the finances were split and um, where, you know, some it, uh, there, were, there were sort of two opposing camps, some people who thought that Nick Denoya was taking advantage of, of Steve Banerjee um, and that Steve didn't actually understand what he was signing um, and didn't understand the words in perpetuity and didn't realise that he had given away sort of such a huge part of his um, business. 
in you know such a sort of innocuous setting on on a sort of you know scrap of a napkin um, in a diner. Um, obviously, the fact that he did that um, meant that there was a great degree of bitterness. Um, and you know, we, if you watch the series, I'm not going to spoil our own series, but you know, if you watch it, you see how this bitterness sort of grew and and um, had dreadful tragic repercussions um so yeah i mean it, it does seem again like you, you wouldn't make it up you wouldn't put it in a drama because it seems such a ridiculous um way to to um propel the, the chain of events that happened afterwards yeah yeah and then as as you were alluding to earlier it's uh, just it's not just a true crime series but there is this the true crime element plays looms large, obviously, in the last two um, episodes. Certainly, um, I mean, even <laughs> even Blackpool, for God's sake, looms large in this <laughs> in this story. Uh, but uh, you know, we have these fire bombings. Um, we know Nick Denoya is murdered in his office. You have this rival organ, um, you know. Um, well, this rival to Chippendales, Adonis, it's subject to hits, and that's where Blackpool comes in. Um, I mean, that's, uh, I mean, maybe one last thing in terms of the story itself. I mean, that was, uh, um, it, it's it's all, you know, you have characters named Strawberry and things like that. I mean, you you know, it's it's, it's quite a, a remarkable um, story that you, one of those the cliche would be you couldn't make that up and, you know, you wouldn't even sell that to Hollywood and then it actually does happen, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I suppose, you know, it's the first two episodes sort of lays the foundation for ridiculousness, yeah. you know? It's yeah. it's like, of course it's going to get wild and crazy. Of course there's a guy named Strawberry. Of course there's Blackpool. Of course, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a crazy, wild, weird world that they're all living in with all these various characters and um it, it it's it's crazy when you think about it but when, when you when you really get into it, it it makes total sense it makes total sense that it would go in that direction and that you'd have these crazy you know ray cologne and strawberry and and you'd have you know this um huge international sting where they actually took mm -hmm. a took a a convict and somebody who was, um, you know, on parole, not parole, but he was, well, he was on bail yeah. for this, uh, you know, this conspiracy to commit murder by cyanide, international conspiracy to commit murder, take him to uh, the scene of the crime, essentially. I mean, it's just, it, it's bizarre. So, yeah, it, it's it's stranger than fiction. You, you couldn't write it. Um, and that's the beauty of documentary, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's fascinating. And, and Suzanne, when did you decide you had four episodes? Was this always going to be something episodic, or did that kind of play out as this as as you went along? And yeah, yeah, no, we we were pretty clear, um, definitely from the outset that it was going to be um, a limited series. Um, we thought it felt like four parts, you know. Um, we're sort of always quite careful at Lightbox to make sure that we're not trying to extend stories beyond yeah, their, yeah. Their, their comfortable limits. So, you know, we'd rather have it shorter and better um, than trying to drag things out. But it, 
it was actually really, it was one of the challenges. And I think we sort of pulled it off that across the four episodes, each episode feels quite distinct and has, you know, it, it's a chapter. So they, they move along quite um quite quickly but you know you have the sort of origin story in the first episode the second episode is where it all just goes nuts and kind of um, they essentially take over America if not the world then by episode three things are sort of getting dark and you're really sort of mm. seeing that the curse come into play and and Jesse when you uh you were brought onto the project um I mean what were the main challenges for you in trying to tell this story um, well, I think, um, I mean, I had a pretty good idea of how it was all going to be structured and laid out. I mean, as Suzanne put it, you know, I think we wanted them to be very distinct. Each one's a very, uh, distinct chapter where we introduce, you know, characters that live in that time, live in that mm -hmm. chapter in that world. Uh, and then very much because of the rise and the fall of, of an empire, mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, we we wrestle with the idea of flashbacks and, you know, do we and it just seemed to me um, the, the 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 best way to tell it was just to take people on a ride and not to keep interrupting that ride. Mm. Uh, and so to go on this roller coaster with twists and turns from the very beginning, I mean, you, you get from the pre-title of episode one that, you know, shit's going to yeah. hit the fan. Uh, <laughs> but we don't you know, we don't reveal exactly how yeah. or why or yeah. when. And so um, th that was sort of the basic structure always. And then there was, mm. there was an idea of, well, episode four is going to be so different from the first three. Is that going to be odd? And, and I actually really like that. I, think, I, I don't think there's any rules when you make a documentary or a series or anything. It's mm. why not? Why can't it be its own thing? And, and actually, it deserves to be its own thing because it, it's such a it, – it's outside of the world of, of the mm. Chippendales. I mean, it's not it's – not, it's alien to that world. And I, you know, we even filmed them uh, different, those contributors. We didn't film them down yeah. the barrel. They're yeah. slightly off center and they're mm. not in a club atmosphere because they don't belong in the world of the first mm. three episodes, really. Um, and, and so I guess that was, that was the biggest challenge. It was how, how do you bring in the mm. true crime, the true crime element and, you know, make it seem seamless but but also how do we make people care about stuff other than the true crime i mean if it's just mm. if it's a true crime series then are they not going to enjoy all the other stuff that we all loved which was yeah. the emotional stuff which was yeah. the character stuff which was um and, and i guess that that was the challenge the, the the biggest one as suzanne said it really was episode four i think yeah i think i mean just personally, it is, it's probably my favorite episode, but I don't, I think it's, um, uh, as you say, it, it doesn't this also, I mean, you say that's the challenge, but isn't also doing a limited series that provides you with the freedoms, right? You can, you can just make episode four different, you know? I think so. Um, and, and, yeah, that's the great thing about a series. It's also, I think, um, you know, when you sit down, you have, oh, you have four parts. You can tell yeah. this story and you have, you know, let's have a hundred characters and you can do this and do that. And yeah. it's actually, it's not until you sit down yeah. uh, and you, 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 you plot it all out and you write it all down and then you actually put it on a timeline. And you're like, wow. I mean, when I wrote episode four, 
uh, my DP read it and he said, you've written a feature film. You know what I mean? It was, it was probably <laughs> going to be a hundred minutes long. And so we had to chop it right down. And I think it, you, you feel like with the, with a series, you have limitless, you can tell all, all the stories, mm. many, many different themes. You can certainly do more than you can in a feature length doc, but you really still, you really still have to be very focused with what story, mm. you're, what, what's the story you're telling, who's telling it. And what are you trying to say? And I think you, you need to, you need to stick with that and really be focused because otherwise it gets too lost. People watch a series and go, what the hell did I just watch? What was that about? I, I don't, lots yeah. of great stuff in there, but what, you know, what's it trying to say? I don't understand. So you really yeah. still have to be very focused. And, and Suzanne, in terms of that, what, I mean, besides the rise and fall of Chippendales and this bringing this crime, true crime to life. I mean, um, what was the sort of the main things you were trying to bring to our small screens? I mean, I uh, think you've touched on this already, but there's so many different elements to this. It's more than a true crime. It's a showbiz doc. It's uh, all kinds of, you know, elements to it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of, a, it's, there are elements of social history to it um, and elements of, you know, but elements of entertainment and elements of, exploring some sort of deeper, darker stuff, you know, sort of not, you know, the, the, of course it's, you know, how do, how do women um, see themselves? How do women see it as acceptable um, to behave uh, and to express themselves? And, you know, it, it sort of captured that point in time where, you know, I'm sure it wasn't just the Chippendales, but that was a very specific place where this kind of explosion happened. Mm. Um, but as well as all that stuff, you know, the, the, there's a lot to explore about the human spirit and, you know, what happens when you actually get everything that you want and, you know, you have success, you have, you know, in, in Steve's case, you know, he wanted to build a massive business empire. He wanted to be Walt Disney, you know, he wanted to sort of, have money sort of coming from all directions and he achieved that but he also you know sort of had the sad um psychotic tendencies which were rather unfortunate for everyone around him um for the dancers you know they achieved you know some of them wanted women some of them wanted adulation some you know michael talked um very eloquently about wanting applause and feeling wanted mm. and overcoming um a sort of feeling of inferiority that he had in his youth. Um, but, it, it, you know, it's just fascinating to see how everyone was striving for certain things um, in the early, you know, parts of their careers and in the early, in the early films of the series. But then just looking at how those paid off, um, they, they were sort of very interesting for us and, and something that we sort of worked hard as a team to, to sort of really tease out and get the balance right between, you know, we didn't want it to ever feel like, you know, here comes the social history bit. And <laughs> exactly. Here, here we give you the conflicts about the 80s and look yeah. at how they are, you know, yeah, it, yeah. it needs to sort of all feel very fluid and say those things, but in a sort of subtle way that, you know, it just takes you on a ride. Um, mm. Jesse and and Kevin Konak, who was our lead editor, um, once they kind of immersed themselves in the material and really just started to enjoy it and stuff, you know, because it's 
it's a tricky ask. You know, we want to make a premium series. We're mm-hmm. like what we win Oscars. We, you know, we've got, you know, the sort of track record, yeah. you know, really great films. And now we're doing a series about the Chippendales and it's ridiculous. And, you know, it's, it's a, it was a daunting task for all of us. Mm-hmm. You know, how do we make this feel premium and how do we make this, you know, a sort of really classy exposition of a story that could be done in a million different ways and could become something that's just kind of cheesy and salacious. Um, so, and you know, we wanted to be respectful to all the, you know, the characters who spoke to us and also the people who sort of lost their lives in, in the process. So there's a lot of sort of balancing to do, um, yeah. sort of come out that we all felt good about. Yeah. Well, I, I think you've indeed ch- um, achieved that. I think it's because, uh, as you say, it could be you could take this way too seriously, you, but then not seriously enough, given the the tragedies that have happened. And in, in, we won't go into those details, but uh, um, yeah, I think it's uh, I think well, well done. Thank you for for bringing that to our uh, um, to our attention because I think it is. I, I think you definitely have, have achieved that, and, and and it makes for a very enjoyable series. Um, I want to, because we're coming up on our the end of our time together, actually. But uh, if I, question for both of you, um, looking through, you know, and given that there is a murder at the heart of this story, um, and look at your filmography, uh, do you guys have an obsession with death and murder? I've got uh, the Ripper. We've got, geez, uh, we've got a murder in West Cork. We got Till Death Do Us Part, Death by Delivery. I know the. Your thirty for thirty series, uh, Jesse was has a murder in it. Was there, there, is this was this all planned? This uh, sort of uh, stream of uh, in looking at your 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 back catalog. Uh, it definitely wasn't planned <laughs> on my side. I mean, my first film was a story of a musician battling Lou Death. Gehrig's disease, yeah. and yeah. Um, my thirty for thirty was a story that I grew up with because it was it happened forty five right. minutes from where I grew up. I I um, I grew up just outside Philly uh, and very close to Foxcatcher Farm, and uh, so that was a story that always resonated with me, and I, I always mm. wanted to tell that story. And um, uh, and no, it. it not not for me and then uh, but I, I guess in the last seven eight years true crime has just completely taken over yeah. uh and it seems like that is 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 the thing that everyone wants um and so i i mean i try and, and not d- dwell too much on true crime yeah um but it for me it's really about the story you know and, and um it's 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 not the crime it's not the murder or whatever happened it's really the story behind it or you know why are we telling this story mm. um and not dwelling on the, the you know the true crime aspect yeah is that and suzanne is that similar for you yeah i mean i've been um a sort of earnest documentary maker for many years and sort mm-hmm. of, you know done a lot of sort of more investigative stuff and, and you know sort of mm. um kind of hard-hitting uh, international affairs and things like, you know, sort of very, yeah. very much in the sort of, you know, um, television that with a purpose and, and, and mm. things, you know, things with uh, stories that have really something to say. Um, and to be honest, you know, initially when we started to um, look at true crime, I, actually my first was with Jesse. So he, he, mm. he and I sort of went hand in hand <laughs> into that together. Um, 
which was uh, Gypsy's Revenge for, right. for Discovery as well. Um, but actually, I think, I think there are two things. I think there is a huge appetite for it and a huge public fascination. And as, you know, producers, you know, we, we, we want to bring people content that they, they're going to watch and enjoy. Um, but also as filmmakers and as storytellers, there is that crime stories really do allow you to sort of penetrate into the sort mm. of um, deeper reaches of the human psyche. And, and it is fascinating. You know, I, I don't think we would ever do sort of salacious stories that are just, you know, there's been a murder, look how shocking it is. But it's, you know, there, a crime has happened. Why has it happened? What has driven someone to take mm. actions? What's the fallout? Um, what context did it happen? And what does it tell us about ourselves? How might we ourselves act given a similar scenario? Um, so actually, I think, I think as, as sort of serious filmmakers, you do sometimes enter these things with a, a degree of trepidation because you don't ever want to be seen mm. um, as taking advantage of mm. horrific mm. events. Um, but many true crime stories just have so much more to say. Um, so yeah, it is, um, it is, it is something that I'm sure we will continue to be fascinated by. Yeah. And I think that's a good point. I mean, yeah. I mean, I know even just own friends and family, people are very, uh, very interested in these stories. Um, mm. especially when they're told as, as, as well as you have done them. Um, I know that I think, as you've already alluded to it, that can be abused uh, and won't go down cases of where that's happened. Uh, but, uh, um, but yeah, I think it's, um, or, well, let's face it, some of these things get drawn out into multi-season episodic pieces that seem to go on forever, uh, trying to maybe, uh, maybe exploit this interest. But I think this is all, uh, but it is, it, it is, it's, it's, Great literature is full of these stories, aren't they? So, isn't it? So, you know, it's 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 all, all part of that. I mean, with that all in mind, now that I've tried to typecast you, and that wasn't in my intention, uh, is uh, what's next for both of you, uh, Jesse? What do you can you share with us? Usually, our filmmakers tell us, "I can't tell you," but I've got all this stuff in the works. But do you have anything you can uh, share with us in terms of what's next for you? It's interesting because normally that's exactly what I have to say is like, I can't tell you, but um, I can this time I'm taking just a bit of time off, you know, mm. uh, taking a, a bit, a bit of time and um, looking at various projects and, uh, you know, really thinking carefully what I want to do next. But yeah, it's just nice to, to take time off. I mean, making a, a four part series is a lot of work. Um, it takes over your, your life and it's just nice to, um, add when it's finished, just recalibrate and, you know, claw back a bit of the time that you, yeah. <laughs> you know, that you, you, uh, put into it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying my time off. Well, do enjoy it. I would love to have, I think we all would love to have a little time off. Uh, yeah. Suzanne, do you, are you getting any time off? Are you, uh, what's next for you? Or maybe even uh, what's, what's in the works for uh, Lightbox? Uh, well, we have lots of things cooking at Lightbox, um, some in production and some in development. So, um, yeah, we have a lot of good things coming down the pipeline. 
Um, so, you know, we're, we're sort of working very excitedly for sort of um, lots of the big streamers um, with more limited series and some very premium content, but I can't remember what has been announced and what hasn't, so I won't go into too much detail. (laughs) But um, one of my main objectives is to, we have a particular project that we want to tempt Jesse out of retirement, (laughs) out of holiday from and bring him back to Lightbox. So, so, yeah, watch the space. There'll be plenty more collaborations with Mr. Vile here. And is it true crime? Eh, might be. Not, <laughs> kind of, but not, not really. Yeah. Well, kind of like this one. Either way, I'll let you uh, carry on that conversation uh, offline, mm. as they say. Um, th- thank you so much. It was a, a joy to have you on, the, the two of you. Um, uh, director and writer of... Uh, the Curse of the Curse of the Chippendales, Jesse Vile, and executive producer Suzanne Lavery of uh, Lightbox. So, thank you so much for coming in, coming on to the podcast. Really appreciate it, and wish you all the the best of luck with uh, the next next steps in your careers. Just get, want to give another big thank you to director and writer Jesse Vile and executive producer Suzanne Lavery, the filmmakers behind Curse of the Chippendales streaming on Discovery Plus since September, and will be debuting on Amazon Prime here in the UK on November 12th. Uh, Before saying thanks to others, I just want to alert you to an exciting new collaboration we have with Movie Maker Magazine. You'll be hearing more from us about that in coming episodes. A shout-out to Sam and Joe at Inner Sound Audio in Eskrick, England, just outside of York. And a big thanks to Nevin Apanovich, our podcast manager at Alamo Pictures, who ensures we continue getting such great guests like Jesse and Suzanne onto the show. Finally, a big thanks to our listeners. As always, we love to hear from you, so please keep sending us feedback and episode ideas, whether it is on YouTube, social media, or directly by email. And please remember to like us and share us with your friends and family wherever you happen to listen or watch podcasts. This is Factual America, signing off. You've been listening to Factual America. This podcast is produced by Almo Pictures, specializing in documentaries, television, and shorts about the USA for international audiences. Head on down to the show notes for more information about today's episode, our guests, and the team behind the podcast. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Alamo Pictures. Be the first to hear about new productions, festivals showing our films, and to connect with our team. Our homepage is alamopictures.co.uk.